Man, God is good. Amen. I mean, just so great to worship with you every week. I count it an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for everyone who came out to our training day yesterday. We had a great time. I appreciate everyone who helped out, everybody who helped put it together. Thank you so much. Let's give them a hand. Um, we had, uh, had good food and had some good teaching and some good training, and uh, it wasn't just informational, it was also inspirational. So uh, if, uh, if you missed out on it, we're going to have some of that available online if you would like to hear some of those teachings and some of those different things we talked about that day. But we're in the middle of a series called Now Faith Is. And we've talked about all kinds of things. We've talked about obedience. We've talked about trusting in the Word of God. We've talked about faith to be healed and that God is in the healing business. We talked about all of those things. But now we're going to shift gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about the faith to stand. So if you're taking notes this morning, write that down. Faith to stand. You know, I was thinking as I was preparing this message and I was asking these questions to myself as I was thinking about having the faith to stand I was thinking you know what are the things in my life that I've had to stand for I mean just natural things I'm not talking about spiritual things I'm, I'm talking about just everyday life things what have I had to take a stand for I mean have you ever had to take a stand and it caused you to lose something or to look like a fool have you ever had to take a stand to do something like that, regardless of the consequences, but you knew it was right. And even though when you made the stand and you made that decision, it seemed like everything came against you and it seemed like everyone was against you, you couldn't escape the fact that you knew that if you were to step away from this, that it would be wrong. Because you knew that what you were standing on and what you were standing for was right. You see, maybe your decision to stand caused others to dislike you, or maybe to change the way that they viewed you because of your stand, but you knew you had to stand because it was the right thing to do. Have maybe you ever been persecuted or threatened by someone because of a stand that you have taken? What causes us to do that? What causes us to dig our heels in and to not move? I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. What causes us to dig the, our heels into something that we really believe in and causes us to just say, you know what, I, I ain't budging. This is the way it is. Have you ever known that you were right and someone else told you that you were wrong, but you knew you were right? I mean, you knew it. it. It wasn't even debatable. It wasn't even a, uh, an argument with your, your spouse. It was just the fact that you knew you were right about something and the other person was wrong, but they wouldn't accept the fact that you were right and they were wrong. And it drives you nuts. Doesn't that just make you just absolutely insane? I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, we had a missionary to Mexico come in. I love missions. And, and this missionary to Mexico was a friend of mine. I'd actually been on a trip to Mexico. So, I was so I've seen the work. I, I'd seen what had gone on there. And whenever they came to the church to speak, our pastor really got moved by all the things that were shared in that service. He got so moved that he decided he was going to make a donation, a verbal donation to 
this ministry. Because in our children's ministry, we had just bought this collapsible sound system. It was uh, one of these deals that will fold up into a suitcase and turn it, you know, it's a sound system, but it'll fold up into a suitcase and so you can carry it around. And these speakers would collapse and it would be the top of the suitcase and the soundboard was the bottom of the suitcase and all the wires and even the stands for the speakers all fit in there. Microphones, the whole nine yards and you could carry it. And, I, and he said, you know what? Even though he told me in a staff meeting and told the rest of our staff, he said, you know, even though we just bought that for our children's ministry, we could buy our children's ministry another one. When we go to Mexico, we're going to take that sound system down there and we're going to give it to those people in Mexico. And I thought, man, wow, that's awesome. I, that, that's so cool because that thrilled my heart because we had just bought it a couple of weeks earlier and we were proud of it because we were going to use it for outreach and children's ministry and a lot of different purposes we had for the sound system, but we're going to give it away even though we just bought it for us. How cool was that? I was like, yeah. And I, and I kept thinking about it because our trip to Mexico was about four months away from that. When we go to Mexico, we're going to bring that. And I just, I had that in my heart because it meant so much to me when he said it. And I thought that was really big of him to make that decision. Well, it comes time we're loading up for Mexico and the pastor was going on the trip. And I go into the children's ministry while everyone else is loading. We had about 30, 40 people go. And everybody's loading our big bus that we had at our church. And I start to tear down that sound system that morning while everyone's loading up and I was going to bring it with us. And he comes in there and he says, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? Said, well, why are you taking that sound system down? I said, because you said we were going to give it to the people in Mexico, right? You remember four months ago, you, you said, I didn't say that. And I said, yes, you did. I, I promise you, you said that because I've been excited about that since you said it. I know you said, it. no, I didn't. And then his wife walks in and she said, what's going on in here? Because she could tell I was upset. And the pastor was trying to tell me, no, I didn't say that. And she said, no, he didn't say that. I was in that staff meeting. What? Are you people kidding me? Have you ever felt like that? You know, and I know I was right. We didn't end up taking the sound system. We ended up having to take another sound system that was shoved in the corner. And I was really mad and upset about it. Because I knew that I knew that I knew I was right. And I dug my heels in on it. And I was sitting there arguing with the pastor in the children's ministry telling him, you said we were going to give that sound system away. I never said that. I wouldn't. And, and then his wife comes in there and says, he would have never said that. And I was like, what? You have got to be kidding me. Isn't that so frustrating? Isn't that so frustrating? I mean, when you know that you know that you're right and it causes you to dig in your heels and it causes you to make a stand and it causes you to not relent and not back up because you know it's right. And that drove me nuts even though I didn't win. In the end, I know in my heart that that's what happened because I was there and I remembered that's what was said. I, and I thought back, and then sometimes you begin to question yourself. You ever do that? You, well, did that really happen? Was I just loopy that day? I mean, I mean, and I began to think back. Did he maybe say, we need to give them a sound system? Maybe not. And, you know, I began to ask all these questions about that particular scenario. And, well, maybe I misunderstood. And I thought, no, we, we talked about it. Because I, I asked him, I said, that brand new one we just bought? Because at first I was kind of like, Let's keep it for ourselves because we just bought it. And he was like, no, let's give it away. And I was like, wow. And then now it's time to pack it up. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, wait a minute. There wasn't any other sound system that it could have been. And, and I played it back in my head. And I knew I was right. And that's what happens sometimes when we take a stand on something and we know that we're right. 
We'll dig in our heels, but sometimes it causes us to second-guess ourselves, doesn't it? Now, let's relate this to the Word of God and talk about that. And when you're making a stand for the Word of God and you're standing on the promises of God and you're standing on His truth, sometimes you begin to question yourself. Sometimes you begin to question God. Sometimes you begin to say, now, is that really what He said? Well, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe, maybe He didn't really mean for me. Maybe, I don't... I don't know. See, it caused me to have courage in, even in that situation. I wasn't disrespectful to my pastor, but I was upset because I knew what he had said. And I was trying to dig my heels in on that, and I wasn't going to relent. I wasn't going to move because I knew it was right. But when you know something is right, when you know something is right, all of a sudden something rises up in you to stand and it gives you courage. And that's what standing for truth does. Standing for truth takes courage. Standing for that truth, it takes courage. And it will help bolster your courage. It will help bolster the fact that you believe in what you're saying and you know that you know that you know this is right and I'm not letting go of that. I know it's right. I know that it's right. It's not negotiable. You know, um, 2 Corinthians 12 and 15, if you have your Bibles there, I want to show you what the Apostle Paul says because he's catching some flack from the Corinthian church. They're giving him a bunch of, uh, uh, a bunch of nasty letters and they're spreading rumors about him and they're saying things like he doesn't care about them. He's saying uh, all of these negative things about Paul, even though Paul was the one who went and founded, planted this church and he loved them. He loved the Corinthian church. They were murmuring against him. And this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12. And let's, let's start reading in the 14th verse. Let's look at that. He says, now for the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but for the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Paul says, listen, I'm coming to you guys, and I'm, I'm not going to be a burden. That's not my intention, to come to you and be a burden. I know you guys got some issues. I know you don't like me right now. But I'm not coming there to be a burden. I'm not coming there to try to get you to give me a big offering or for you to, you know, uh, have to put me up and take care of me. I'm not coming here to be a burden. I'm coming here to be spent for your souls because I'll very gladly do that, even if the more that I give myself to you and the more that I love you, the less you love me. You see, Paul was willing to dig in his heels and take the stand and take the courage that was necessary to go in the face of people that were talking bad about him, people that were upset with him, people that maybe really didn't like some of the things that he told them in his previous letter because he had to be a little stern with them. You know, what's going on here? It's the same thing that happens in our lives. Same things that happen in our everyday lives. We have to stand and it takes courage, but it also has to be motivated by love. Amen? He said, the more that I love you, the less I am loved. He said, I'm still going to love you. Even though 
you don't like me right now, even though you may be trying to hurt me right now, even though you don't want to be around me right now, I'm still going to be the bigger man and I'm going to love you. Because see, a lot of times people think all they need is truth and all they need is courage. And matter of fact, they'll be courageous with the truth and they'll just slap somebody in the face and just say, truth, this is the truth. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to change. Bam, 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 bam. Whoosh. And they just beat them up with it. Now, the truth is still true, but it's not going to be very effective. If you want the truth to be effective, if you're going to dig your heels in on something, you still have to be motivated by love no matter what it is. Amen? It's the nature of God. It's who he is. It's his DNA. God is love. And because of that, he said, listen, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to love you, even though you don't love me, because everybody knows that it's easy to love when you're loved but what about when you're not? What about when you have to take a stand for something? What about that courage that you need? What about that awkward situation when you have to confront someone? Isn't that just one of the most uncomfortable things? You know, if you're comfortable with confrontation and you enjoy it, I, you need to check your pulse. I don't care how great of a leader you are. I don't care how many times you've had to confront people. I don't care how many times you've had to deal with uncomfortable situations. There's a reason they're uncomfortable. You know that? There's a reason they're uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that we shy away from them and that we're fearful of them and we never confront or we never take a stand on certain things. But when we do confront, when we do speak truth, we have to do it in love if we want it to be effective. Amen. Amen. All right. Too many times, you know, people take a stand on things and they have this attitude of self-righteousness, kind of this, I told you so, I know better, I've been saved longer, I'm more spiritual, I'm more holy than you type mentality. And that arrogance comes across. Have you ever talked to someone like that? I'm trying to help us not be those people, okay? <laughs> because sometimes we can be that way. Because we, we have validated ourselves because I have been a member of so-and-so church for so many years and I have been the distinguished, blessed by the Pope and all this great stuff. You know, I, I, mean, I mean, I wake up every morning, I bathe in holy water and I'm just so holy. I, and, and this attitude is conveyed and it's not conveyed in love even though what's being told may still be the truth, even though the thing you may be standing on still may be true. You have to do so in love. It's, that's got to be the core of it. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians 13, about the importance of love. It says, you know what? You can be the most spiritual guy on the block. It said, you can be doing the most spiritual things, but guess what? If you don't have love at your core, if it's not motivated by love, you're just making a bunch of noise. You know that? That's what the Bible says. Courage must be balanced out by love. You see, when we really believe in something and we know that we need to take a stand on it and we have to trust God, that God is going to honor our devotion to what is right and true regardless of what others may say or what they may do because we can't control other people. Look at somebody and say, I can't control you. Say, I might try, but I can't. <laughs> we can't make people react a certain way. You know that? Some of us do this. We, we play these mind games. We think, well, if I do this, then I can get this reaction out of so-and-so because I know how they act, and I know that if I push this button that I can get them to do this. That's called marriage counseling 101 right there. But anyways, <laughs> I know that if I say this or if I do this, this is the reaction I'm going to get. And so we try to bet on these actions, and we try to bet on these things. I know that if I can say this, I can get her to shut up if I can say this. And so we say mean and hurtful things to try to get somebody to be quiet. 
That's manipulation. It's control. We're trying to control something or someone. And we can't do that. You see, we can't control the situation. We can't control the, we can't control the person. So what do we do? We have to take a stand on what is right and trust that God is going to honor that and have faith that God is going to honor our stand. I, I couldn't make the pastor take the, sa- the sound system. That was beyond my realm of authority. I would have been in rebellion had I packed it up and loaded it up secretly. Although the little Mexican children would have been overjoyed and I would have been the hero of the day. I just sneak it out of the bus. Look at what I brought. What are you going to say now, big boy? <laughs> yeah, set it up. Now you're going to take it back? Told you. You see, that would be me trying to make that truth happen. That would be me, me forcing something, but yet I would have been out of order and out of line, and God wouldn't have honored me for that because I was out of order because I wasn't respected in authority. You know what? Whether he said it or not, that's between him and God. I know what happened. God knows what happened. I truly believe that the pastor was well-meaning, and I truly believe that he forgot that he said that, or maybe he thought he said it another way. I truly believe that. Because he wasn't just lying. I don't think he was doing that because that wasn't the type of guy he was. I don't think he was doing that. But God knows what is right. And you have to trust that God is going to work that situation out. And you don't sit there and try to sneak the sound system on the bus. You don't try to make it happen or do something on your own and try to, I'll just help God out a little bit because God really wants these Mexican children to have this. Or God really wants my husband to act this way, so let me just do this. Or God really wants to do this in my life, so let me just try to mess with this area a little bit and try to tweak it and manipulate people. And that's not taking a stand. That's going around, and that's us trying to control others and try to make situations happen for our benefit. And it's really selfish. If we really want to trust God, I mean, if he said it and we're really going to dig our heels in on this thing, if we really believe that the Bible is true, then that means that we don't have to go around the back door of the Bible to try to make something happen for God. That means we can do it God's way, the way he said it, and trust him, and then the result will happen in God's time. That's what we do. We trust what God said and how he said we were to do it, and we stand on that, and we dig our heels in on that. That's what we stand on. That's what we dig our heels in on. That's what we're unwilling to compromise on is the way God said to do it and what he said. You know what? I sure want to slap you because you said something ugly to me. But God said I need to love my neighbor and I'm going to love my neighbor even though I want to love all over your head. (laughs) I want to fix the situation by popping you upside the head. But you know what? I'm going to love my neighbor. You know, you spread gossip about me. I want to spread gossip about you. I'm going to find something dirty that you did. I'm going to wait around like a hawk, like a vulture, and go, he's going to blow it, and I'm going to be there when he does. <laughs> caw, caw. <laughs> ha, ha, you blew it. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what he did? Guess what he said? You laugh, but we do that stuff. We wait around for somebody to blow it. So we can try to bring ruin or bring something negative towards that person because we're hurting. And instead of trusting God and digging our heels in on the fact that God said we need to forgive, we need to move on so we can be forgiven, and so we can treat our neighbor like we want to be treated. 
even when they don't treat us the way we want to be treated. Amen? That's the thing we need to dig our heels in on. We don't need to... Can I talk to you for a minute? What have you been doing this whole time? Right, I know. <laughs> that means I'm going to come here. Oh, the pastor's on the floor. That means I'm going to talk to you. Listen, sometimes we dig our heels in on the wrong things. Sometimes we dig our heels in on our anger. Sometimes we dig our heels in on our offense. Nobody in here, I'm talking about in, you know, Manitowoc County, not Sheboygan County. I mean, we dig our heels in on the wrong things sometimes, and we choose to stand on the wrong things. We'll say, you know what, I'm offended, I'm hurt, and I'm not moving until that person comes and apologizes to me or until they do this or do that. And in, and in the meantime, I don't, I'm going to wait for them to blow it. I'm going to wait for them to do something wrong so I can expose it and blow it up. You know, sometimes when you're offended, you can, and, and you carry that offense and you carry that hurt, you know that every little thing will set you off when you're carrying that around. Things that wouldn't have set you off before. Things that wouldn't have offended you before. Because you're carrying that offense around. You're waiting for someone to not speak to you. For someone to give you a dirty look. And maybe they were just, you know, maybe they, they were having some stomach problems, you know. And they just glance over and they're like, oh. And you're like, oh, did you see them? They gave me a dirty look. The guy just ate some Taco Bell earlier. You know, God bless him. Help him, Jesus. But you think he's mad at you because you're offended. You're already offended, so you're looking for something to continue that offense. Because offense loves company. And this is not a message about offense, but it's turning into one. Offense loves company. Offense loves telephones. Offense loves text, text messages because sometimes you can't really understand the tone in which that was being conveyed. Offense loves emails. Offense loves Facebook. Oh, gosh. When Facebook was invented, offense said, <laughs> Did I just creep some of you out by doing that? Offense loves Facebook. Because sometimes, have you ever gotten one of those emails and somebody sent you something or a Facebook message and you're like, <coughs> and they're like, and you're like, dude, what in the world did, why did you tell me that? And they're like, I totally didn't mean that, you know, you know, and they said it in a way though that you thought they were being ugly, but they weren't being ugly, you know, or maybe they misspelled a word or, you know, on the phone, don't you hate that on your phone, how it helps you spell like it thinks you're stupid. It's like, let me help you out because you don't know how to spell. I mean, give me a break. Sometimes you'll end up sending someone a text message because you're doing it so fast. You're like, oh, I didn't mean to send that. That autocorrect, uh, you know, autocorrect has ruined a lot of my text message jokes. And, <laughs> and autocorrect has ruined a lot of my good Facebook posts. And then you have to post under it and you just lose your thunder and it's not the same. But we can get offended so easily because things can be miscommunicated or there could be a simple error. Let me give you a little bit of advice. 
instead of jumping to conclusions, instead of living in the land of assumption, instead of deciding to leap to the fact that this person is out to destroy you and hate you and want to completely humiliate you in front of all of the Facebook world because all of those friends are absolutely legitimate, even, you know, even especially the celebrities that we're all friends with, right? Uh, you know, all these friends were humiliated. All these things they would say, I can't believe, all that drama. Before you jump to conclusions, why don't you find out what the person really meant and what's really going on? Because I bet a lot of it's just misunderstanding. You know, sometimes your offense is misunderstanding, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it really is the fact that someone did something wrong and they hurt you. It's not misunderstanding. It's not miscommunication. Someone really genuinely did something wrong, and you're really genuinely mad. But it doesn't matter if it was an accident, if it was miscommunication, or if it was deliberate. We're still supposed to react the same. And instead of digging our heels in on that offense, instead of digging our heels in on that hurt and what someone did and waiting for that person that hurt us to fail so we can communicate it to the world, why don't we forgive and move on? Don't you think that's what Jesus did? I, I think he said something like that on the cross after he had just been beat with a whip, after he had had to be humiliated in front of all of the people who had respected him and looked at him, now they're seeing him hung up on a cross, stripped of his clothing, with a crown of thorns shoved on his head. And then to take it a step further, they took a sign and put King of the Jews on it and nailed it to the top of that cross just to further the humiliation. Here's your king, look at this. And then they asked him if he wanted something to drink and instead of giving him water, they give him this rag that's been dipped in this nasty vinegar stuff. They just rub it all over his face and try to get him to drink that. They're casting lots for his clothes. They're trying to play a game to see if they can get his clothing. Right? And you know what Jesus said in the face of all of that? As he was hanging on the cross, did he say, boy, you're going to get it. <laughs> oh, I'm hanging on this cross, but I'm coming back with thunder and lightning. Is that what he said? He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what's really going on here. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, how many of you believe in this room that Jesus is our example? Amen? Amen. Well, if he's our example, let's start following it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Woo! I may not get to preach this today. You guys may have to come back next week or come back second service. We'll see what the Lord does because I may not preach this way in the second service. Um... You know, here's the deal, folks. Psalm 138 and 2. Let's just look at this real quick. I'm not going to preach that message. <laughs> We're just going to flow with the Lord, amen? amen? Psalm 138 and 2 says, I will worship you toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your what? Your word. Somebody say word. word. Come on, say it like you're a 90s hip-hop rapper. Word. word. Your word. There you go. Throw your deuces. Your, he honor your word above your name. The Bible says he honors his word above his name. His word above his name. God honors his word. So 
If God honors his word above his name, and his word is so important, that means that God trusts in himself, and he believes that when he says something, that that's the end of it. And if God believes that that's the end of it, once he's declared it and he said it, then guess what? I can trust it. And I not only can trust it, I can believe it to the point that when something else comes my way, when opposition comes my way, when I'm tempted to blow it, when I'm tempted to do something else, I can choose to stand on that word and dig my heels in against that opposition. If I'll dig my heels in because I believe we were supposed to take a sound system to Mexico and God's word is much better than the word of any man then shouldn't I all the more dig my heels in and stand on his word against any opposition that would come my way? Because his word is much better than anything any man can ever say, no matter how good it is. So if he tells me I need to walk in forgiveness and I need to walk in love, even though the more I love you, the less you love me, the more I try to reach out to you, the more I try to love on you, the more I extend and give myself and spend myself for you, Paul says I'll gladly spend and be spent for your souls, even if you don't love me, because I know that what I'm doing is more important than your offense. I know that what God has called me to do is more important than the fact that you want to be mad. And so because of that, folks, when people try to hurt you or when they try to do you wrong or they try to humiliate you or they try to see you fail, you do just like Paul did. You do just like Paul did. You stand on what you know is right and you say, you know what? I know that you're upset and I was upset because of what you did to me, but I'm going to let that go. I've gotten that right in my heart with the Lord. And so I forgive you, and I'm ready to move on. And if you're willing to move on and help repair whatever damage was done, I'm more than willing to do that because I'm going to love you regardless of how you treat me from here on out. And it sets you free. Oh, man. It sets you free. I'm going to forgive my father who wasn't there or who the parent or that, that uh, relative that may have abused me. I'm going to let that go even though it's hard, even though I want to see them rot and I want to see them just, oh, you know what? That's not what Christ would have me do. So I'm going to do what Jesus said. That person who spread that rumor about me at work and who really hurt me, that ex-husband or ex-wife, I'm, I'm going to forgive them because I'm, I can't carry this offense anymore. It hurts too much. It's too heavy. That pastor who may have hurt me or offended me in my past, that person who may have done me wrong in business, that person I haven't spoken to in 20 years. I've got to release that to God because I can't carry this weight. It's changed me. That weight has been so heavy on me that it has changed me. I, I'm not happy like I used to be. I can't enjoy things like I used to enjoy them. I'm hurting. Oh, and I'm so tired. Is anybody getting anything at all out of this today? 
If it didn't, this isn't helping anybody, it's helping me. When I was a youth pastor in, uh, in Arkansas, I've told you guys before that my pastor was pretty rough on me. You know, we're friends now and, and, and we've, we, we've cleared the air, but he was pretty rough on me. I was 18 years old, but I was pretty stupid at times too. I did some pretty dumb things as most 18-year-olds often do. They're not the smartest people in the world. But when you get to 19, you're a genius. <laughs> Anyways. But when you're, when you're 18, you're, you're still learning some things. And, and, and I was in ministry, and I was in this position, and I got treated really badly at times. Some of it was by my own doing. But I was very young and impressionable, and I took everything to heart. And let me tell you, folks, I walked around offended all the time and hurt all the time. And my pastor had a white pickup truck. And every time I would see a white pickup truck drive down the road, my heart would start racing and I would start sweating and getting nervous. And I'm, that's no exaggeration. Every time I would, because I thought, here he comes, and I'm going to get chewed out or I'm going to get in trouble over something. That's the kind of fear I walked in. That's the kind of fear I lived in. Matter of fact, one time he, he, he walks in and any time he said in a staff meeting, okay, now I need to talk to Derek, everyone else is excused. I knew it was coming. And I walked in fear. And then I walked in this offense to where everything that he said, I was looking for him to do me wrong from that point on. Because I had started a little gossip circle. I'm going to be real, real transparent with you here this morning. I know none of you do this, but maybe you can learn from my mistakes. I started a little circle of people that I would go to when I would get offended. Oh, you're talking about those people that we vent to, and I'm just telling the truth, and it's not anything anyone doesn't know? That's gossip. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a confidant and a friend that you can vent to, but you've got to be careful because those lines can get blurred really quickly. Am I talking to anybody in this place today? And I would go to these people and I would share this offense and, 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 and anything then from then, that point on that he would do, I would get just so offended over. I was the guy. I was the guy that when I would see someone give me that dirty look that I would go and tell someone because I was offended, because I wore my feelings on my sleeves, because I was offended. And when you're offended, you do that. When you're walking in unforgiveness towards someone, you, you do that. You're looking for something. Now that person that I'm offended at, everything that he did, you know, I would say, we were at the church picnic and he didn't, he didn't even come up and, and, and talk to me. Or We did music at our church picnics and stuff. We would set up a flatbed trailer and do good old southern gospel songs. And uh, he didn't even ask me to sing a song. Pfft. Well, I don't know why he didn't ask you to sing a song. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, right, yeah. And then this animosity keeps building and building and building. And then he just walks in and says, hi. And then all of a sudden I find something to be offended about. And then I go tell my little circle. And then they get mad and they pat me on the back. And, and I became addicted to their sympathy. Oh, he shouldn't treat you like that. You deserve to be treated better than that. Were they helping me? Nope. I needed somebody to tell me the truth like I'm doing with you today. I needed somebody to say, you know what, you need to forgive him and you need to move on and let, it, let that go because it's going to hinder you in ministry. It's going to hinder the way that you view 
your next pastor, it's going to view the way that you, uh, it's, it's going to hinder the way that that relationship, and it did in the beginning because I had things to work through. But thank God that he brought healing in my life, but I had to do it through forgiveness. You know what I had to do? I had to do this as a, as a grown man, married, having children. I went to that pastor because here's what he said. After all of this, he went to another church, and I was a youth pastor at another church in another state. He called me, and he said, Hey, Derek, I know you're at that other church of that other state, but I would love for you to come to this church that I'm now working at because it was a really large church, about six, 700 people. And he said, I want you to be my youth pastor because you and I work so well together. That's what he said. That's what he said. And oftentimes, you've got to understand that's how it is. When someone's offended you, they don't even really know. Here I was angry at him. Here I was allowing this weight and this burden in my heart that I had opened the door for. It wasn't the devil. It was me that made the decision to do that. The devil didn't make me do it. Hello. I did this all on my own. And what I did was I went to, to meet him. I wasn't, I wasn't going to entertain the, the job because I wasn't, I wasn't interested. And, and he actually offered me this job two different times within a six-month period to come and, and work for him. He was going to send me to college and I'd get a full-time salary. And, uh, and uh, I, I, was, I thought, you know what? I, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I know there is something I need to do because I'd grown up a little bit. Anybody ever grown up a little bit and had to take some steps back and make some things right? Amen. That was me. Uh, and I had to back, backpedal a little bit, and I had to drive. I drove an hour and a half to go see him. And uh, he took me out to lunch, and here he is just happy to see me, wanting me to work with him because we work so great together. It's just great. So I sat down with him and I said, you know what? I said, when we worked together, I said, uh, I was really hurt by a lot of things that you said and a lot of things that uh, you did. I said, but then I let that turn into something else. I said, I never confronted you in a way that, uh, you know, where I truly forgave you. I did tell him from time to time when I would muster up the courage to go in his office and tell him that he had offended me. Oftentimes I'd do it through a letter because I was too intimidated to do it face to face. And I told him, you know, those, those few times I said, it, it went on longer than that. I said, no, I let that affect me. I said, will you forgive me? And the guy just said, will you forgive me? I mean, we just had a great time right there. And praise God, he checks. He just gave me a text message just two days ago asking me how things were going here in Wisconsin. God's restored the relationship. But he never thought there was a problem. Are, are, are you getting this? You see, when we dig our heels in on things, we got to make sure we don't dig our heels in on the wrong things. Because oftentimes the devil will want you to dig your heels in on a fence. But God honors his word. He honors his word above his name. He honors his word in such a way that if you and I will make a stand on it, if we'll make a stand on forgiveness, God will honor that. You know it? He will. He will. He'll honor that. And I don't mean honor it by sending uh, hellfire and brimstone on that person. <laughs> But God has his own judgment, his own way of doing things, and his own way of taking care of people. But you know what? God forgives them too. He forgives them just like he forgives you. Amen? Man, this has been a really odd message, but I believe it's been really good. And I pray that it's helped you. I, I pray that these stories and this word has helped you today. Because too often we walk around with weights God never intended for us to walk around with. You know, God didn't want me walking around with that heaviness and that burden. And when I finally let that go, guess what? I could breathe a little easier. I could find that place of peace.
peace once again. And I didn't even realize that I didn't have peace. But I let that thing gnaw away. So, so maybe you're here today. And you say, Pastor Derek, yeah, that, that was tailor-made for me today. That's where I'm at. Would you bow your head today? I don't want to embarrass anybody in this place. Uh, this is between you and the Lord. You're saying, Pastor Derek, yeah, that's me, man. That message was tailor-made for me. You was all up in my business today. And it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit today that's trying to grip your heart. Because today isn't just about me preaching another message that I've put together about faith so we can keep moving through this series and, and keep talking about this, this same thing. That, that's not the purpose of today. The purpose of today is that you're here for a reason. The purpose of today is that God didn't have you here by any accident, but I believe you're here by his divine purpose and you're here today and God wants you to deal with some things that you've been running from and avoiding today enough is enough it's time to move on and find that healing and peace through forgiveness because if you keep walking in offense and if you keep walking in hurt it is only going to drive you further and further away from the purpose and the best that God has in store for you. And God wants you to have his best. God wants you to walk in the purpose that he has for you. And it's time to let it go, folks. It's time to let it go. It is time to let it go. It is time to let it go. It is time to find the healing and peace that the Lord desires for you. So if you're here in this place today and you say, yeah, I need that peace. I need that freedom. I just want you to lift up your hand and put it back down just so I'll know you're here and just so you recognize, yeah, that's me talking to me. I see these hands all over this room. Put them down. More importantly, God sees these hands. Anybody else? Anybody else in this place? You just need to acknowledge. I see that hand. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything uh, awkward here. I just want to know that you recognize that that word is for you. I want to know that, and I want you to know that. You're raising your hand more for yourself than you are for me because you're admitting to the fact that there's something in my life that's been holding me back, and today you put it right in my face, and I need to deal with it. The Lord just brought it right to my attention. You say, I need to, I need to move on from here. Whether it's an offense that you've been carrying, whether it's something someone did to you, whether it's something someone said to you, whether it's something that, that, that you've taken the wrong way, it doesn't matter the scenario. The door you've opened in your life is the same, and it's time that that door be closed and that you walk away from it and you find healing and peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're, I want you to look back up here for just a second. You know, every week we have people up here praying for you and, and available to pray. If you have a financial need or if you have a, you know, spiritual need or if you just have an emotional need, whatever the case may be. And that's going to happen again today, just like it does every week. But today I want it to be just a little bit different for you. I want you to take another step. If you really, really want to find freedom here, and I want you, you don't have to go confess all your business. I just want you to ask someone to pray for you to help find that peace and that forgiveness.
because maybe you need that extra help of that person just praying for you to help stir that up in you and connect with your faith because you, it's time to take a stand on the right things. It's time to, 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 it's time to take a stand on the truth, amen? It's time to take a stand on God's word, time to take a stand on the fact that we need to forgive and it's time for us to walk in freedom and move on. As we were singing this morning, we were worshiping, we started singing, my chains are gone, I've been set free. I had no idea what the Lord wanted to do in this place today, but that's what He wants to do in you. He wants those chains to be gone. He wants you to be set free. He wants you to be set free. So I want you to stand with me this morning. And at the end of this service, if that's you and you want to, someone to pray with you, that's great. And, and, and if you want to shoot me an email and say, hey, would you pray for me? Or, or whatever you need, it's time to make that right. Amen? If you're here in this place today and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or maybe you, you need to recommit your heart to Him, I want you to come and find some, one of these people at the end of service and have them pray with you and say, pray with me. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Do not leave this place today not knowing that you are right with the Lord. Leave this place knowing that you're right with God. Find these people and pray with them. Tonight is going to be a powerful night. And I believe this is setting the precedence for what God is going to do tonight. Not only in Sheboygan Falls, but in all of America. As the message of hope is preached. As the message of truth is preached. As people are going to come to Jesus Christ and be welcomed into the family of God by the thousands tonight. And we're going to be a part of it. So get out there and invite someone. Come yourself and bring someone with you. I want you to compel people to come. When you go out to eat, don't let your waiter or waitress walk away without being invited to this event tonight. Because I believe God is going to wreck people up and he's going to mess them up and get in their business. It's about time somebody got in our business. Amen? Because we have all these chains and all these things that God wants us to be freed from. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. Would you just lift your hands with me this morning? Let's sing it together. My chains are gone. I've been set free.